secret experiment gave one man the strength of a hundred. For the rest of the world, he's just codenamed Captain America. And the power to save millions. The Jerry's have an experimental rocket ready to fire at a target somewhere in the United States. Only he could defeat a superhuman madman. They got a fellow called the Red Skull heading up their outfit. But saving the world left him trapped in an icy grave until fate released him. The finish of battle started decades ago. Ronnie Cox, Kim Gillingham, Scott Pollan as the Red Skull, and Matt Salinger as the Marvel Comics hero, Captain America. Ciao, my people, and welcome to our 135th episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast, where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse Image, and more. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I'm one of your co-hosts, DJ Nick, and with me today are two great guest co-hosts. On one side, Mr. Devin Smith. Hey, Devin, how are you today? I'm fantastic and enjoying this wonderful weather we've got here, so... Awesome. And on the other, returning to the podcast, and definitely very, very happy to have her back, Miss Holly McMiller. Hey, Holly, how are you? And welcome back. Thank you. I'm doing great. And I'm also enjoying the lovely weather that we are experiencing in Wisconsin right now. I know it's not going to last for long. We got rain coming, but I'll take what I can get. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, because I know that usually in the Midwest, it's... um. It's kind of dicey when it comes to the weather. Is that right? I mean, I don't know what your springs look like. I mean, is already <laughs> is the spring in the air in Wisconsin already? Would you say? Yeah, spring is in the air, but then Wisconsin every now and again we can have the freak snowstorm in April or even in May. So I'm hoping we're past that, but don't wow. know. Talking possibly a little bit of snow on Thursday, but I'm hoping not because. Three or four years ago, we got dumped on pretty good right around this time. Like, we're talking 16 inches. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So a That white was Easter. like three or four years ago. What? Right. So you could actually have a white Easter. That would be interesting. Yes. Oh, it was. <laughs> yes, Christmas was. has come early, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, definitely, I, I definitely would love to visit the Midwest at some point because, I mean, I, I've heard such great things about it. You know, great folks like you are there and such. So definitely want to check all this out. I mean, because I you know, don't mind the, the colder weather, but I get living with that 365 days a year i'm not you know not necessarily but i mean it can get get tough i i, I totally understand um, so guys of course today we are discussing captain america not the captain america that you're thinking of folks from 1990 directed by albert pion who my listeners might know for such things as cyborg nemesis the sword and the sorcerer and many more the screenplay was by stephen tolkien who co-wrote the story with larry block while the music was by Barry Goldberg. And this movie, to put in today's money, cost $7 million to make. Obviously, it did have a very, very limited release in theaters, only like in two or three countries, because I know for the most part it went directly to TV, but that was their budget. So, Holly, starting with you, I know that obviously you're a big yes. fan of the MCU and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So from that to this Captain America, what did you make of this movie? Uh, it was it was okay. I enjoyed it for what it was. I could see, you know, glimmers of what was going to be in the Marvel verse come ten years down the road, <laughs> and it was just, you know, and 
and the, and the opening, it was just like, okay, are we pulling in X-Men or what? Because at first I didn't realize, I forgot about Red Skull. I'm just like, oh, wait a minute, are we getting Magneto here or <laughs> what was the opening? And I have a little bit of music trivia. Mm. The gentleman that performed the songs has a Bruce Springsteen connection, oh. <laughs> which our dear friend Jesse Jackson would be interested in. Southside Johnny. He mm. has a band in Jersey called Southside Johnny and the Ashbury Jukes, and they have ties with Bruce Springsteen because back in the day they'd be either touring together or working on stuff. I think they've each helped out on each other's albums. So I, I watched the end credits because I'm like, man, that voice sounds familiar because I've heard some Southside Johnny stuff before. And sure enough, in the end credits, Southside Johnny. <laughs> I was like, nice. Wow. I actually also have to ask you, you know, is it just mm -hmm. me or did the 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 actual should we say original score the Barry Goldberg score remind you at uh -huh. all of what Alan Silvestri did with the Captain America theme? A little bit, yeah. I'm just like, mm. hmm, you know, little nods. So it's like, did somebody watch this and then decided I'm going to cherry pick <laughs> a little here and a little there. <laughs> Yeah, that's because that was what I found. Because when I was listening to this, I'm like, hang on, isn't this yeah. the Captain America theme we get in the first Avenger? I mean, I get it, of course, mm -hmm. the notes are slightly different and made the chord progression. Right. But there was, it just kind of was in the back of my mind, because obviously I can hear now already the, the sorry for the earworm, folks, the, the Alan Silvestri Captain America theme, which I think is beautiful. Right. But I can, I very much heard it in Barry Goldberg's music. So maybe, like you said, uh, he might have inspired Alan Silvestri. That could be. And then, too, when they were doing the time jump with the through the decades, I swore that they remixed a little bit of Duran Duran's Girls on Film with a little bit of the beat. I'm just like, huh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Unless I was reading too much into it, but I was just like, huh, okay. Mm. Yeah, there was a lot of interesting musical stuff going on here for sure, and uh, and Devin, you know, I, I, first off, are you a fan of uh, the the current Captain America? You know, the the three movies that we got with um, Chris Evans, and what did you think of this one? Well, <clears throat> I'm absolutely definitely a fan of of Captain America, everything, mm -hmm. um, and um, I mean, I used to dress up in costumes and the whole thing, you know, like when I was growing up. And to me, this movie, when I was a kid, when I saw it, impressed me. Because then, you know, you're like, well, who would say Captain America movie? You know, I got to love it either way without an opinion. Um, and then now, when I'm seeing it now, to me, it's like, man, this is just kind of an epic fail compared to, like, the modern movies. <laughs> but I, I get, like, okay, it's a good starting point. but mm -hmm. I feel like at that point in time, maybe the special effects weren't what they can do now. Sure. Um, I do find it, you know, interesting with the Nilly Vanilli connection uh, as well, because if you kind of listen to some of the cheesy music in this film, it kind of reminds me of like a Nilly Vanilli album. <laughs> it's got that really cheesy sync pop to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um and then the connection that Holly was talking about, like the Duran Duran thing, I absolutely can see that. So, um, yeah, that's just how I feel about it. You know, it's it's not a perfect film, 
but it's something that you can just watch, you know, once in a while and maybe get some enjoyable out of it. I mean, I think, uh, you know, kind of piggybacking, backing off what you just said. Yes, you know, this is not a great movie. And also, if you think about it today with seven million dollars, you're not going to go particularly far if you want to make a superhero movie these days. Um, Seeing the the huge budgets that the MCU movies have. And of course, hey, when you have a, you should say a wallet like Disney's. You know, seven million is like probably to make this for like pre-production, not even possibly. I don't know. It's like to hire the crew, you know, before we even start filming. Um, but I, w- I must admit, I uh, there were parts of this film which I actually did enjoy. I mean, it is yes, it's incredibly cheesy. Yes, it's incredibly bad in a few parts. Especially, I will never understand some of the choices, which I'm sure we will discuss when it comes to the origins of our villains. But we will save that for when we talk about them. But other than that. I actually, I, I, I embraced the spirit that, w- w- that was done. I think it was done with love and it was possibly done on the, the idea of this. Is, we're going give to you, give you Captain America for kind of modern times for what the 90s were. And this is what we're doing. And also, I think if you put it together with what the, some of the other Marvel stuff that had been done, like the Incredible Hulk TV show and stuff like that, this kind of worked. I I did enjoy it. I mean, is it Captain America, the first Avenger? Not by a long shot. But then I tried to put it into context of different times, different budget and everything else. So it's not that bad, uh, all things considering. Yes, there are some moments in the story which uh, did, did kind of surprise me. But other than that, I was pretty happy with this. So let's deeper dive into our movie, guys, starting with our titular character, Mr. Matt Salinger, as Steve Rogers, Captain America, whom our listeners might know from a movie that I always enjoy, Revenge of the Nerds. So, Holly, actually, starting with you, what did you make of this version of Captain America? Um... I I liked him. It's just, you know, trying to get over the fact, you know, not Chris Evans is like, okay, and then we're based in California and not New Jersey. And, yes. and then just a little bit of the, you know, he's not the 98-pound weakling that gets portrayed in the other film. He's got some bulk to him, but it's just like, okay. And, you know, and knowing and the backstory changing a little bit to where his dad went off and now he wants to kind of follow in dad's footsteps. I found, you know, interesting and going from there. And then we have, um, Oh, what's his girlfriend? Maureen. Oh, uh, Maureen. Yeah. Bernice, who is kind of our shit, her, our, um, Peggy. (laughs) Yes, that's right. She was a standard. (laughs) Yeah. Carter. So, I mean, it was just kind of interesting how everything tied in and him not wanting to give up. Because, I mean, he could have easily had done that and backed out, but he still went with it. So, I I enjoyed it for what it was, and he did good with what was, what was given to him, <laughs> script-wise. I mean, I think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, and also I think like, uh, did did you buy the whole concept of like you said because the guy's already you know pretty well built, and then he gets kind of the super soldier serum thing going. I mean, did you buy all that stuff? And even the fact they give him the shield, and it's not even explained if it's an indestructible shield. It's kind of like you know we're just going to give you the shield, and you know it's a, it's yeah. it's one of those good shields that we have going on. I I went with it because I'm just like, well, maybe. With con- contracts, they couldn't really say that it was made out of vibranium. 
<laughs> and this, so, and who knows what kind of a budget they were working on for time for filming. So maybe they couldn't have him, his, the actor lose, you know, wait and it's like, Hey, we got to roll with it and go and bulk you up just a touch, but not <laughs> go way overboard. Yeah, I, I, I very much think so indeed. Yeah. And Devin, what did you make of, uh, of our captain? Mm, okay, so I have mixed <laughs> feelings. Uh, I like him in Revenge of the Nerds. Um, I thought he did actually very decent in those films. Um, this, I don't feel like this was the correct person for this role because I don't feel like he was putting his all in, into the character. I felt like he was kind of sleepy eyed, not putting his you know, time into like memorizing his lines, for example. Uh, there's just no emotion in the character. And, and I couldn't really get into that. You know, I feel like they had no choices maybe other than to cast him as, as Captain America. I just, I don't know. Like to me, like the modern Captain America movies are a little bit more interesting and he was just, wasn't doing it for me as Captain America. <laughs> I, I, I totally get that. I mean, I think it is, it's a curious version because it almost reminded me for some for some weird reason of uh, Flash Gordon, the way this character was yeah. made. Yes, yes. It's I, that kind of straight... nail on the head because I was... I couldn't, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. It reminded me of some other serial, but I couldn't... And yeah, Flash Gordon, kind of the fish out of water and here we go. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it, because it's kind of very much the straight arrow superhero. Granted, we know that Cap, for the most part, is the straight arrow guy, but obviously these days he's so much more layered, and it's much more than just being squeaky clean. Here I think they went more for the squeaky clean thing, kind of like, as I said, Flash Gordon, because maybe at the time that's the way you wrote heroes, in the sense that it was more black and white in the sense your villain was 100% villainous and your hero was 100% heroic and had, you know, no stain on his character whatsoever. And I think this is very much what they did with this version. I think he was serviceable enough. It was weird, like you guys were saying, that uh, he's already a strapping young lad and he's happy to fight the Nazis or what, or, or what have you and is just he really wants to just, I guess, embrace his heritage, like you were saying, Holly, of his dad, and uh, is prepared to volunteer for this soldier project. And it's curious that they picked him, because I suppose apparently he's like top of his class and everything, and we do see that. So I was almost wondering exactly what the serum gave him, because we do. I think we see a little bit of it giving him some sort of super strength, but other than that it doesn't really change him that much, if you will. And the suit, I mean, it's a little bit, it's very cheesy. I will say the ears are very weird. But then again, that's what he looked like in the comics. They uh, they did, right. in the MCU, they changed it for practical reasons and because it would look super goofy, I guess, if we had Chris Evans running around with those wings on the side of his head just looking really campy. But for the most part, I bought it. And yes, he's a very good-hearted guy. Once again, we have the complication of... I was in uh, uh, my girlfriend. I fell in love with this woman, and now I'm probably going to be falling in love with her daughter. So it seems that Captain America seems to have that um, history, both here and in the MCU, because there we and had surprise, su- 
surprise, the daughter's name is Sharon. <laughs> exactly, which I'm sure is definitely a um, a homage to Sharon Carter, even though, of course, mm-hmm. it's it's it would be Sharon Stewart, I suppose here. But but yeah, I thought it was it made me laugh that uh, in today's in the MCU, Cap was you know had a relationship with Sharon's grandmother, and now he, and you have potentially could have had something with with uh, with uh, Sharon, and here. It's most likely he'll probably end up with Sharon. At least that's, I think, what the movie is implying. But yeah, all in all, I enjoyed I enjoyed what Matt did with this. It was, uh, as I said, super campy, possibly not a particularly deep character, but it was fun to watch. And uh, and I think he uh, he suited, he very much is the mold of the 90s superhero, if you will. So let's look at two of Steve's biggest fans and supporters. This should be fun. We have Ronnie Cox as President Kimball and Ned Beatty as Sam Kolowitz. So, uh, Devin, starting with you, what did you make of the President of the United States and uh, and his faithful friend? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Ned Beatty, like, I can respect most of his films and most of the work that he's done in his career. But I don't feel like he should have been in a film like this. I feel like maybe this is one of the last straws for him. And maybe he was just like, I got nothing else. Just pay me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't really believe him in, in that character. Um, and regarding, you know, the whole, to me, it was like casting like the three stooges in this type of a role. Like, <laughs> I didn't feel like any seriousness at all. And maybe that's what they were told to not, maybe they were told to just go into these characters without emotion. I don't know, but I just, I just couldn't get into that. You know, I was just like, Hmm, I think they should have casted other people for these roles. Oh, okay. And, uh, Holly, what did you make of these two characters? Um, I enjoyed them. I just, I, I'm, you know, casting possibly, or maybe the way that they, how it was kind of tied into the past and it really wasn't, how shall we put it, woven in where it made a little more sense. I mean, we know right. the boys when they were younger, they saw what happened with Cap. So it's just like, okay, you know, we're not, nobody's going to believe us. And Ned's character has a, you know, bone to was like, hey, it ties back to this. And then, you know, we come full circle. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember meeting you when I was a kid. And from there, so. I mean, I I enjoyed it, though. The president has got to get a better security team. I mean, man, the Secret Service has yeah. fallen down in this area here. I mean, yikes. <laughs> Unless they were their uh, quote-unquote Hydra agents or they're on uh, Red Skull's payroll. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's true. Yeah, because I mean, uh, it doesn't seem like the United, like you said, the United States security is particularly good here. You know, to mention that they can, they can just kidnap people at random like this, and and the fact that we had this very sort of um, president of action, if you will, is kind of like you know following Cap around while he's taking uh, taking on the uh, you know Red Skull's goons and that. I mean, what did you make of uh, of all that? I don't know. There's such a thing as being a hero, but then it's just like, let the pros do their job. You, you delegate, you sit and watch, you stay free adjacent. 
Mm, yeah, I think so too. I, I guess you know these are these are odd characters. I will say it. It it what it what this yeah. kind of surprised me that. Uh, I mean, because I'm trying to think how old Kimball would have been when he when he first saw Captain America. Because wouldn't he have been even older than what we see him? You know, later down the line. I don't know. I mean, is that me? Um, what what do you guys think? I, I, I think that he might have been a little older. Hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, they I... looked like seven to nine ish. Mm-hmm. You know, when they were both yeah. sitting on the bed comparing notes. That, that's what made what kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. It seemed like time is very relative for certain people in this movie because Kimball seemed still pretty spry, even though so much time had passed. You know, it's kind of running around and doing this thing. I mean, Sam, I think, kind of as well. I mean, he has granted more of a desk job, if you will, but he's, I think he very much is almost that representation of the 90s nerd, if you will, with obviously who has all the facts and knows all the characters. I thought it was also fun that he was actually dropping names of characters from Marvel comics like the Submariner and all these other folks. I thought, ah, that's that's interesting. Um, and it would have been kind of weird or interesting had we actually seen these characters or photos of them. But other than that, yeah, I think he's very much the, the fanboy. It's kind of, I guess, to a certain extent what Coulson would be. But not right. as not as much of a fanboy, not as crazy, you know, hardcore fanboy as, as Sam Kolowitz is. But he is that yeah. kind of character. Even when, like, he's driving Cap in the car and um, gives him the the rundown of what's been going on. And and as I said, evidently, I guess he has a direct line to the president. And I love that they're still on first name basis and just can call him up anytime. It's like I'm in the middle of a meeting here, Sam. Can I call you later? The president seems to literally have nothing to do all day but take calls from Sam. So I'm yeah. like, okay, <laughs> I guess being president of the United States back then wasn't a busy job because you can happily talk to his his friend all day. So I thought that was kind of that was kind of fun. Also, I, I did like that we had the running gag here where apparently <laughs> Steve is always sick when he's in the car. Sick, he's like, I yeah. <laughs> he does that so many times and. It, it was it was fun. I mean, I, as I said, it's a super cheesy thing, but it kind of made me laugh how he kind of um, did it with Sam. And Sam's like, "Hey, what about me? What am I gonna do?" Kind of situation. So, and and I guess I. And then I, when he pulls it on Sharon, I'm just like, "Yep, he's gonna fake her out, and he's gonna steal that car." <laughs> yes. So it, it makes me saying, wonder if the Arrow writers weren't watching this too, because it's almost a. Uh, familiar scene with uh diggles but instead it's uh, i gotta use the restroom <laughs> exactly you to compare dc verse to marvel <laughs> oh very much so that that was exactly kind of well, well spotted there holly that it kind of made me think of that too but i think it was kind of nice i suppose they wanted that the fact that them to come full circle because as kids they'd seen cap kind of fly over and we were apparently was you know strapped to that bomb which was supposed to destroy the white house and now that you know they've grown up and they've done amazing in their careers and it was kind of i think kind of fun that we got those news cuttings of kimball's progression from like going you know just constantly going up and up and up in the world and until he becomes president but he's not i mean he's i guess he's a decent president we don't really see him doing too much presidential things but um I guess he's okay. I mean, he seems like a nice enough. And yes, yeah, Sam, as I said, is I think is almost 
was almost supposed to be us, the viewers, you know, like young kids watching this thing. You know, you could be best friends with Captain America and someday you might end up working with him. So do I think more comedic relief than anything else? But I think they were they, they were fun enough. So as we did touch up on her a little bit, let's get to the lady who lands in Steve's life and also plays her own mother, like you were saying in the younger version, Holly. We have Kim Gillingham as both Bernice Stewart and Sharon. So I guess we could probably look at a little bit both of them. Granted, Bernice doesn't get as much as Sharon does. But yeah, Holly, what did you make of our of, of um, Steve's love interest or both love interests? Uh, I I liked him. I mean, she was there for the pur- her purpose. And I mean, at least she understood. She's like, I'm not going to stand in your way. I mean, I don't want you to go. That's why I'm not going to the going away party to try to talk you out of it. I'm going to stiff up or lift this and not attend (laughs) until you come to track me down. And then his response to her, you know, when he comes back, she's like, I look old. And I was like, no. And I think what shocked him, too, is that she waited for him for as long as she could and it's like hey <laughs> you know need to move on so i think that kind of you know put her up a peg a peg or two in his eyes and you know respected that so and when it came to sharon what did you make of her i mean did, could you actually tell it was the same actress playing both parts no i couldn't <laughs> <laughs> so they did well in that department Sharon at first kind of came off, I don't know, how shall we put it, sassy or kind of a little snippy. Because, you know, when Steve winds showing up at mom and dad's house, you know, and him mistaking her and, you know, hauling off and whapping him one. It's like, uh, Sharon, no. friend you know so i think after that and you know she kind of mellowed and respected okay mom has a past with him everything checks out okay and i mean she really kept her cool because i mean after um red skull sends his crew his daughter after to find steve and they wind up at mom and dad's house (laughs) Almost Darth Vader, you know, let's find the plans, let's find the droids. You know, after Bernice gets killed, I mean, Sharon could have just said, hey, I've had enough with you. You got my mom killed, my dad hurt. I don't want anything to do with you. But she's ready to jump in and help out much while Steve wants to keep her (laughs) safe and out of harm's way. So there is that. Oh, there is. I mean, and did you buy their, their relationship of them kind of, you know, driving up and down the world and getting into kind of wacky adventures together? Eh, not at first, but then uh, farther that we got in, I it, it grew on me because I kind of think Sharon's kind of along for the ride. Like, ooh, what are we going to do next? <laughs> Can I come along? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She gets to go to Italy and she's super excited about getting to go to Italy. So, uh, you know, I guess I can't blame her, of course. And uh, Devin, what did you make of uh, of Bernice and Sharon? Well, <clears throat> I honestly feel like without these two, 
characters, the film will really be flowing as well. And I do feel like she really put her all into both of these characters, considering, you know, that she may have not had a lot of time to prepare. Um, and I would say I enjoyed, you know, her acting. Um, there are some things that I don't really, you know, think are things that need to be in the film because I feel like they should have been spending more time on developing the story a little bit further, giving her a little bit more time on, on screen a little bit more. Um, but overall, her performance, I would give it an A+. Yeah, I mean, and interestingly, they did do their research in the comics because Bernice Stewart actually does exist in the comics and she is one of the many women to succumb to Steve Rogers' charms. So she is pretty much his long-standing girlfriend in the classic comics. So I'm glad we actually got that. And it's like, wow, somebody actually opened a comic book for this movie for the most part, because then halfway through they fell asleep and forgot the rest. But um, other than yeah. that, <laughs> here at least, like, oh, let's see who, uh, who Steve Rogers was romantically entangled with. And so, of course, they found Bernie Stewart. And yeah, I... I was kind of surprised. I did not. I, I mean, I guess Kim Gillingham did a great job as playing both characters because they, they're very, very different in their own way. Granted, also it's different time periods when we see young Bernice. Obviously, it's, you know, the 40s and stuff. And Sharon is more of a 80s, 90s girl. So much more sort of out there, like you were saying, Holly, more of her own woman, if you were more um, emancipated, possibly, because maybe Bernice is more like the classic a uh, wife of a soldier who's like, I will wait for you. You're my man and everything else. And more, I'm not saying subdued, but I think more, um, you know, not at all. Cause obviously also women's rights being what they were at the time and everything else was like the man brings home the bacon and he's the guy and you have to kind of love him and cook for him and everything else. Wait, so I get a bit of a contrast with Sharon who won't take a lip from, from anybody. who's much more of a firecracker. And I think it is almost that whole thing of, the woman of the 90s and this is what they get up to and yeah she's she's pretty smart herself and uh, you know, gets into terrible trouble but is able to pull the wall over hired assassins and everything else so i yes. was i was surprised with this chick i said hey not bad for your first mission you know definitely you might consider going into that shield thing, you know, that might be starting up because yeah. <laughs> it's like I could She's see She's not a damsel in distress <laughs> oh, by no stretch of the imagination. Definitely not. And I'm sure they, they definitely drew from the Sharon Carter character when it came to that feistiness and just uh, being able to hold her own. Because at first you think, oh, yeah, she's going to be the kind of character, the kind of save me, save me cap kind of thing where she... Definitely, as I said, is able to stand on her own two feet and do her thing, and uh, sometimes even better than Captain America himself. So, kudos to kudos to Sharon. I will say, definitely kudos. The ladies are definitely pretty formidable in this because we have a pretty other formidable woman here getting to the dark side of the table, starting with our big bad's daughter Francesca Neri, my fellow Italian, as Valentina De Santis who was based on another comic book character, which is Cynthia Sin Schmidt. Because in the comics, the Red Skull actually does have a daughter. We have yet to see her in the MCU, but we got her here. So, Devin, what did you make of the Red Skull's daughter? Well, I think it's fantastic because she just put her all into this character. Mm -hmm. And 
she was just really real emotional she was one of the upsides to this film as far as i'm concerned um because you can tell that she's a villain like she just owns that part and i think that they they've casted the right woman for that for that certain role so i just think that she did a great job in this film so you definitely so you did buy the whole thing of her being like the cold-blooded killer yeah i think Mm. she pulled it off pretty well very very cool and holly you know uh, uh, what did you make of the fact that we got a, uh, a a red skull daughter in this who's a killer just as much as her father i was surprised because i haven't delved too deep into the captain america comic book mythology so i didn't know red skull <laughs> had a daughter and i mean i was surprised i mean just the way he was kind of treating her but i'm just like Dude, you're sending her to do this stuff. She's doing it. I'd be watching your back. She might be trying for a hostile takeover. (laughs) And you wouldn't even know it. Because I was surprised, you know, he (laughs) made it as long as he did. I thought she was going to be fed up and say, hey, (laughs) I'm taking charge. (laughs) Sorry, Dad. So you bought this character. I mean, did you? um... Oh, I did. Okay, yeah. I mean, so you felt like she was like threatening and everything else that you know this mm-hmm. is somebody. Yeah, um, I, I she wasn't so. scenery chewing, threatening. It was no. You could just tell by her look that you pushed her too far. You were going to be in trouble real quick. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, I will say this was Francesca Neri very, very early in her career over here in Italy. She's considered. I'm not saying one of the greatest actresses ever, but definitely one of the good actresses we have because yeah they said she was right starting out so i guess you kind of have to take what you're given when it comes to parts and no surprise right after this action superhero movie she went and did an erotic film because that's what you do right when you when you've done a 90s cheesy superhero movie you go ahead and you do an erotic movie so that's what francesca neri did and then after that she you know, got into more, should we say, serious parts and did, did a whole lot of other things. And as I said, she's quite a recognized name over here in her native country. But yeah, I I, I bought the the I bought her as, as the Red Skull's daughter. I think she's very devoted to her father. And it's interesting how almost she loves him because he doesn't really show much love, obviously, being the Red Skull. But there are moments almost of almost tenderness of the way she talks I mean- to her dad. And you could almost compare it. You could almost compare it to a Thanos and Gamora type Mm. other side of the coin, you know, where, you know, Gamora wants to do her own thing, but then there's still glimmers where Thanos, you know, still like, Hey, you're my daughter. I still care for you. And Gamora, you know, you could almost see that a little bit. I think so. But not I mean, a whole lot, you know, just to yeah. tie things together. Yeah, because he, granted, yeah, definitely the Red Skull is not father material and is never going to be father of the year either. But no. it seems to me like he I, he's possibly, possibly grooming her to be the next Red Skull when he passes on. But he does tend mm-hmm. to treat her more as his minion, one of his minions than his actual daughter. I mean, he does address her as his daughter, but it's almost like, obviously, I guess, 
expects her to do to be the best and everything else, which I think makes the Thanos comparison work very well there, Holly, but the, because that's kind of the same thing that Thanos expects from his daughters. So that's, I guess, the same kind of situation between uh, Red Skull and, and Valentina. And yeah, I, I bought the... Uh, the merciless killer, especially when she kills Bernice and you know fatally wounds her her father, and then goes on this other killing spree of stuff. There were other moments where her and her companions seemed rather clueless, though. Like the the situation <laughs> with the helicopter. What the hell was that? Because I'm like, these are supposed to be international assassins. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm thinking they might have had a little too much fun on the flight over, so they weren't thinking hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yes, because you know the, it kind of flip flops a little bit because there are moments where you're like, oh my, they'll just murder you. you. You knock on the door, you open the door, and they're going to murder you in cold blood. And there are others where you're chasing the the guy you're supposed to capture or kill, and you just don't do it right, and you end up in the woods, and you don't know what the heck's happening. And it did seem a little bit odd there at first, and. Just when they see Captain America, and there's also that chase, I think, on the motorcycles. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit weird, you know, here and there. And I was kind of shaking my head. I'm like, okay, international assassins, go. You know, I, I did not. Well, and I, to be honest with you, to tell you the truth, when I first saw those helicopters, I actually thought those helicopters were Red Skulls that were trying to go out and take out Sam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude. <laughs> Uh, wrong there <laughs> yeah well because in fact it has to be said those helicopters were flying incredibly close to the ground so you you could yes. definitely <laughs> m- mistake it for that so it's like did, has, did somebody fall asleep there are you sure you have the right guy but uh yeah in other cases i did like valentina and uh and i think uh francesca did a decent job here you can tell she's still a little bit should we say green when it comes to her acting but uh by and large, it's, she, she did a decent job, I think. And finally, let's get to our big bad, Scott Paulin, of all people, as Tadzio DeSantis, the Red Skull, who has done tons of things, from the right stuff, to Teen Wolf, to Cat People, to The Accused, and so much more. So, Holly, starting with you, what did you make of this version of the Red Skull? Um... Still had the same menace, but man, where in the heck did he find this plastic surgeon? I mean, <laughs> from what we saw of him in 43 to 90s, holy cow. <laughs> Quite the uh, transformation to the better. <laughs> and, you know, yep. uh, something to, and a guy to be, you know, dealt with and mind the P's and Q's. But, I mean, he kept a Rolo profile. Because, I mean, you'd think they would have been keeping tabs on him as soon as he went underground. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and, and the fact that he was Italian and not German, did the, how did that sit mm-hmm. with you? That, yeah, that was a little, I mean, I was able to get over it, but it was a little jarring because, you know, having not been exposed to this and then the MCU and, and then to this, Instead of him being German, it's Italian. It's like, okay, you know, but then knowing the history of what went down in World War II kind of makes sense. But it was it was still, huh, okay, so we don't have helmet. You know, we don't have this. And even um, Colonel Lewis, 
mm-hmm. he kind of reminded me a little bit of it was almost like he was a mix of a general and Tony, Howard Stark. Right. A little bit just from the from his looks. Ooh. And speaking actually of looks, what did you make of the Red Skull makeup? Actually, that was pretty. Uh, I thought it was that was decent because I mean I could see similarities to where Marvel kind of took the MCU kind of took their cue as like okay we're gonna kind of run with this but then you know up it and change it a little bit though I don't know what in the heck they were thinking with that mouse holy cow that was kind of like a hammer <laughs> stop motion figure. <laughs> Yeah. Or was that I, just me? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, you know what? It seemed like a, like a, you know, like a footage from one of the Swamp Thing movies. That's what it made me think yeah. of. Because that bad, I'm like, come on, what the heck is this? And I don't know about you, but I would actually prefer to have seen him as the Red Skull with that makeup throughout the movie. Because it was, yes. it, it was the stuff nightmares are made of. I mean, I think a nine, mm-hmm. a, a nine, ten year old kid may watching this at night would probably have nightmares seeing the red skull mm-hmm. you know so it was a yeah. shame maybe i guess the budget and stuff and they couldn't have him in the makeup uh you know for most of the film it's hard to say but uh i really yeah. I, I i actually dug that makeup you know as, as over the top as it was and uh Devin, what did you make of our villain oh i'm i'm gonna lay lay into this actually okay um okay so i okay i like the makeup but everything else no <laughs> not not believable as the red skull like did you not try to audition other people <laughs> i mean how hard is that like put something out in the papers or call people i don't know like call agencies do anything because this is just a horrible casting and i just other than the makeup he doesn't come off to me is this murderer that everybody proclaims him as and like it just doesn't vibe right like i'm just to me it's like it's just one of those zero areas where it's like okay i'm sorry but this particular person is not right for this role it gets an epic fail of a zero wow okay that's just that's just how i feel about it you know compared to the modern movie true yeah or if they if they could have picked somebody else i'm thinking um the oh last name of roberts who played the master in the doctor who tv movie i think he would have probably made a decent red oh yeah oh, red skull oh, definitely definitely i i i'm with with you both and i almost think to myself you cast an italian woman as his daughter couldn't you have cast an italian actor as the red skull i'm just saying because right. Because the accent did come off a little bit too much or too over the top. And the fact that he's you know, throwing random words out in Italian, it's like, what do you call that? La Casa Bianca. What is that in English? The White House. I'm like, no, don't do that, dude. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. And yeah. and the whole kind of back and forth banter that he was having Captain America of, I need an English teacher. You know, I thought, oh, God, please don't do this. Um, so it was, mm-hmm. that was kind of, that was, that was a little bit cringy for me. That's why I thought to myself, 
you have an Italian actress, you could have had an Italian actor to play her father. Um, I mean, the accent, I guess it could sound as an Italian speaking in broken English, but um, it, it, it was weird. And as I mentioned before, that I would have loved to have seen, or maybe something to have happened to his face, like in a fight with Cap to where the red skull was revealed again. Because I actually right. really, because I really dug that makeup. In this, go yeah. ahead. Because you could still see that you could still see that scar from the cosmetic surgery. So who's not to say that doesn't open up when he gets real angry and. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that would be the case because yes, talk about the uh, plastic surgery gone wrong because that is uh-huh. that is over the top surgery because it re- almost looked like a, a a bad Halloween mask that you kind of saw yeah. like I don't know president. It looked like a I don't know a morphed version of Nixon for some reason. That's what yeah. he reminded me of. Yeah. I mean, we're we're not talking about as bad as the Punisher, but no. uh, right up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good point. Yes, because so it did that did kind of uh, bother me at times. And the origin story I did find was a little bit odd in the sense that you've kidnapped this sweet little boy from this Italian village to do experiments on him and he becomes the red skull and and all that so i guess they kind of wanted to once again do the whole thing of the red skull is caps reverse number and in the sense that you know they but but how is that even how are they even reverse numbers because cap volunteered for what he did whereas Tadzio was forced to become the Red Skull. So he was conscripted. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, he was kidnapped yeah. as a little kid and had experiments done on him. And that's why he is the way he is. And yet he can constantly calls Cap his brother, I guess, because they were both subjected to the serum. But they're not really that alike. I mean, had you know, mm. what might have worked, maybe had Tadzio been like a fervent fascist kid. And what? And it's like, I want to serve, you know, um, Mussolini and do and do all the good stuff for for the the Fuhrer and for the Dolce and everything else, and have him being a fervent fascist. That might have worked because it would have had like both both people want to serve their country, in even though the ideals are completely wrong. But it would have made more sense had you had that rather than fascist bu- fascists bursting into this little Italian house killing the parents and capturing the kid and experimenting on him. I did like, though, the um, callback to the comics, which I think which was especially in the classic comics, where whenever the Red Skull is around, he plays the March of Death because that's his favorite song in the whole world, the favorite theme in the whole world. So they actually had that. That was kind of cool that they went back to that. But other than that, the origin story I was shaking my head and then the whole gigantic piano thing and the way he falls from the tower. It was a little, the end that the way he was dispatched seemed a little bit too fast to me, at least I would have expected more, more there. I mean, he's evil enough. Go ahead, Holly. Yeah. I mean, the piano thing I could see as a callback is because he lost his childhood when they Mm -hmm. came in and got him because he was at home playing and playing the piano for his family so I could see that, but I don't see how playing the piano to the family equals high intelligence. Because when they burst in, that's yeah. what they, I mean, yeah, you know, like a child I mean, anybody can play piano. Something. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but other than that, yeah, the, his death falling over the cliff was a little bit over the <laughs> top. Over the top. Unless they were going to make a movie too, and hey, surprise, he survived the fall, and he's back 
for more. Mm-hmm. Which is mo- I just like- felt like I was. Oh, Go I was going to say uh, real fast that to me, he's like trying to pro- portray like a WrestleMania match or something like the Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan or something. <laughs> like that's what I'm getting from that. Like. It, it, it's got that type of build to where it's like, you know, if you're a kid in the 90s, it's like, yeah, you're going to worship this movie because that's all you got. I mean, other than the comic books and like one decent arcade game that was, you know, playable on Sega Genesis, which uh, I would not recommend playing it on Super Nintendo because it's absolutely horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you will probably drive yourself insane with the control configuration. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's one of those games, Nick. <laughs> okay, good to know. Good to know because I've recently been kind of checking out all these um what do you call them? These re not reenactments, but kind of these ported old games online and stuff. And right. I actually found the original oh, emulated. Yeah, exactly. That's the one. Yeah. I've I've found some of those online. I actually recently played the classic X nineties X Men game, and because I'd never had the chance oh, yeah. as a kid. Because I, w- I they wouldn't let me into certain um, arcades, but uh, you know, because I was either too young or whatever. But and now I finally got to play them and got to play the the Punisher and Daredevil games and stuff. So that was good fun. I have to check out this Captain America one, uh, Devin. But yeah, I I don't know. It, it did not sit. You know, I I mean, I know of course Italy fascism, etc. I mean, that's not what bothered me. I just thought to myself, you have a perfectly good character from the comics, i.e. Hitler's right-hand man. Why didn't you use that? You could have also brought out Hydra, which you didn't, even had he not been German, Mm -hmm. as a fascist, you could have still done the whole Hydra thing. Didn't even do it. Also, I guess because he's a super soldier, he has extended long life. I mean, that really isn't kind of explained to us, I believe. We don't really get that because Cap was under ice. So I understand that he was Mm -hmm. alive and well. The Red Skull is barely aged, so I assume it's a result of the serum to where he basically, I don't know if he lives forever or he lives to be like 500 years old. It's hard to say, but um, I think he mentions it somewhere, but it did seem a little bit weird. And other than that, uh, I guess they won't say this guy is so evil. He murdered Elvis. He murdered uh, Martin Luther King. He murdered all these people. So he's running a mob a mob empire. And he expects to lay low like that. Okay, fine. That's laying low. Good yeah. for you, Red Skull. Yeah. That's definitely not going to get you caught. Yeah, unless we get a slight um, Hydra time with um, Gavin McLeod or who played Kolchak, his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because wasn't he the one that was feeding information to Red Skull as to the whereabouts of the president and then mm-hmm. Steve? <laughs> That's right. So we, we might get that. Yeah, we, yeah. That that could be an idea. Yeah. So all in all, I guess he's he's a he, he's he is a villain and everything else. But there were moments where I was like, I don't know. I just don't get what why mm-hmm. why you went with this. And I I suppose you know we just have to kind of take it for what it is. So uh, did either of you have anything else you wanted to add before we got to ratings? I I just wanted to say yeah. as a fan of Captain America, I mean. Um, I'm not saying that this film is terrible by any means. It's just it's not up to par with the modern things. And mm-hmm. I would just say, you know, if you want to, you know, have your curiosity, 
you know, just check it out. But me personally, like, I don't think I want to watch this film again for a while. <laughs> and Holly, did you have anything else to add? Um, just that, you know, it's worth checking out just to see how it was done in the 90s and how it's changed and how you can see some connections to 90s to our MCU proper cap and, you know, watch it maybe once, maybe twice and wait for a while before you <laughs> watch it again. I mean, it was, en- it was enjoyable, but mm. not like we're used to with our MCU verse that we know and love. I mean, I should have probably asked you this at the top of the film, at the top of the review, but uh, was this actually the first time you sitting down to watch this? Yes. Okay. Yes, it okay. was. <laughs> Okay, I hope you don't hate me too much for that. But no, um, no, no. It was uh, it was better than I it was better than what I thought it was going to be. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay, excellent. I'm glad that uh, you found some enjoyment from it for sure. And uh, uh, so, speaking of ratings, uh, Devin, what would you give this film out of ten? Okay, I'm going to give it uh, three shots of tequila, two beers, and a high five. So that would add up to about a 5.8. Okay, very nice. And uh, Holly, what do you give this? Uh, Let's see, 7.5 to about an 8 for my rating. Just just for all the, I mean, the glimmers and I could see what they were trying to do and how it helped kind of push and they kind of learned, okay, for our cap for MCU, we need to do a little bit, a little bit more fine tuning. I definitely think so. I think if you, uh, if you want, as they say, if you want to make an omelet, you have to break some eggs. And I think we might probably have Mm -hmm. to almost be grateful that there were movies like this in the sense is why we got the films we have today in the sense that I, like you said, probably, um, the the filmmakers of of today, or should we say, of the two the early two thousands, when the the Captain America First Avenger came out, probably looked back at this stuff and said, "Yeah, you know, we're probably not going to go in this direction. We're going to try and do things a little bit better." And heck, maybe the fact that um, in the First Avenger we have Steve wearing that more outlandish costume is one I think a homage to comics, but might also be a homage to Matt Salinger's version of Captain America because it's very similar to that version. So I guess mm-hmm. if anything, we should, I guess, have some gratitude possibly to movies like this if we do have uh, great and fantastic uh, films like the Captain America trilogy is for sure. So yeah, I'm, for that reason, I'm, I'm also going to give it a 7 out of 10. I enjoyed it. I might actually end up uh, purchasing this one on uh, on Blu-ray just for the fun of it because it might be one of the movies that I just want to dig out one of the, one of these one of the nights and say yeah let's watch something my, you know very light and kind of fun let's watch Captain America from 1990 so uh, it's a seven out of ten for me so let's get to recommendations then Holly is there anything you wanted to recommend which might be you know periphery to this or folks who might have enjoyed this movie. Mm. Not that I can think of. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe possibly to twist the um, what if Peggy Carter became Captain America? Mm-hmm. That would be my that would be my goal to just you know how we're kind of contrasting 1990s Captain America to 
our 2000s. Why don't we toss that into the mix? And I actually love that episode. I I proudly own a T-shirt from that episode where you have uh, Sharon riding the Iron Man in that case, so in that from that What If universe. So I absolutely love that episode. Where, you know, I'm definitely now. I want to go back and watch it because it was such a great episode. And uh, mm-hmm. Devin, you touched up a little bit on that very complicated Captain America video game, apparently. So yeah, is there anything you wanted to recommend? Well, I would say. Honestly, also get into the comic book series because they have so much detail with all the characters and the villains and just all the adventures that Captain America goes on and the people that he befriends and how he ends up joining the Avengers. And, you know, I feel like also the animated series, which is on Disney Plus, actually, which I believe was released 1998, 1999, Mm -hmm. um, is actually a very decent show. Um, and also honestly watch the modern movies. Those are decent. (laughs) They, they most certainly are. Yes. uh, In fact, um, often, uh, myself and fans of uh, the MCU tend to almost discussing who in our mind has the best trilogy thus far. And, uh, it seems to be the consensus that the Captain America trilogy is the best of the bunch that so far. So, um, so, uh, so definitely the, those three films, obviously Captain America, the First Avenger, Winter Soldier, and Civil War, they're definitely fantastic, fantastic films indeed. Yeah, I, I would recommend, obviously, the, the comics for sure. I mean, as I have recommended on other Captain America episodes that we have covered on this podcast. And now I'm definitely going to be checking out that crazy video game that Devin has talked about because uh, I have to try them. Even if they're totally kooky and crazy, I have to, I have to check them out. So... That's our movie, folks. And of course, dear listeners, if you want to share your thoughts on the movies we discuss here, would like to take the plunge like Holly and Devin and join us here on the show, you can do so by shooting us an email at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Through the show, support by giving us a like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness in Darkness, or follow us on Twitter, where at High Darkness Pod. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, feeling generous, check out the great tiers we have going on on Patreon. There you'll be able to pick films that go outside of what are considered regular superhero movies or films inspired by comics like 300 or Road to Perdition or Death Note or even films which inspired comics such as the Terminator saga, the Robocop saga or even the Aliens. To check all that out, head on over to patreon.com slash happiness and darkness. A big, big thank you to our wonderful patrons for their support. So, uh, guys, when it comes to you, Devin, when you're not here discussing all kinds of superhero movies, both cheesy and not, where can folks find you? Um, Devin Drizzle Smith is my YouTube, Mm -hmm. which I'm Mm going to be starting a little bit more content on there. And then my Instagram, obviously, um, is Devin forward slash 1982 Smith. Um, And I also have another one, which I'm trying to get up and running. Um, and then my music, honestly, I'm all over the place now. I'm putting music out on the 502 Fallen Angel website, actually. So you can go in there and check out my music. I'm going to be doing Bandcamp eventually. Um, and then I am pursuing some acting in the future. Fantastic. Well, we'll definitely keep our eyes peeled for that indeed. And Holly, where can folks find you? Well, you can find me as one-fifth of the Five-ish Fangirls podcast. You can find the Five-ish Fangirls on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our website, the com, And you can find me personally at hollymech underscore 79 on Instagram and Twitter. 
Fantastic. And of course, Holly, you know, you having been a great supporter of this podcast, we're definitely very grateful to you. And of course, uh, you're always very supportive of all the, the stuff that I do. So uh, definitely want to personally thank you very, very much for that. And uh, when it comes to me, yeah, folks, for you uh, country music lovers, I do host the radio show Whiskey and Cigarettes, where we play today's country, traditional country and everything else in between. For more about that, and where to visit our website, whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com. Podcast-wise, feel free to also check out uh, my other podcast, Gold Standard, that I do with those fabulous ladies who answer the names of Zan Sprouse and Rachel Friend. We're reviewing all the movies that won the Oscars for Best Picture from 1927's Wings to the present day. And uh, Holly will hopefully soon be joining us uh, for uh, another episode. She's been on... uh, Quite a few of our Patreon episodes, so we definitely look forward to having her back because she has picked a rather interesting movie which we will be discussing soon. So hope to have you on for that one, Holly. And uh, when it comes to our regular show, go ahead. Fingers crossed. I'm definitely crossing fingers fingers crossed. Exactly. I'm definitely crossing fingers myself. And yeah, on our regular podcast, The Gold Standard, we will be discussing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest next week. So that should be an interesting one. That's actually my favorite movie. Uh, it's a great, great film. Yeah, in fact, I think it's going to be make for yeah. quite a discussion. And uh, speaking, obviously, of superhero TV shows, uh, myself and Charles Skaggs can be found on the Fandom Zone podcast, where we're currently discussing the latest MCU TV show, Moon Knight. And uh, Holly has chimed in with her great insights when it comes to that. So it's always great to hear from her there. And also, Charles and I can be found on Titan Talk, the Titans podcast, where we recently covered the latest seasons of Titans and Doom Patrol. And if we're looking forward for the next season of those shows and speed things to come on this show next time we'll be taking on the 1977 ew Swackhammer film spider-man that should be a fun one that said <laughs> when it comes to you Devin, and when it comes to you holly thank you both so much for joining me today it was a blast having you on and definitely look forward to having you both back soon oh yeah it was, absolutely it was awesome thanks nick <laughs> Oh, it's and one, one more thing I wanted to uh, go mention for you was um, I'm not sure if Holly knew this or not, but I actually listen to your your podcast like every other day, Ooh, and awesome. I'm catching up on 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 uh, on those episodes. I do have an incredibly busy schedule, but <laughs> I do listen to your show, and I'm actually a fan. So awesome. heads up, there you go. Um, cool. And the other thing I wanted to quickly mention is that you are actually mentioned in Nick's song. Oh, I talk about all the people who are guest stars on the show, and I do mention oh, you in the cool. song. So. Nice, well, very I cool. Definitely Devin. have to check that out. Exactly. I'll have to. I'll yep. have to either share it with you, Holly, or Devin, of course, can can share it with you. And uh, hey, uh, the Five Ish Fangos is yes. definitely a fantastic, fantastic podcast. I always get a blast. Uh, I have a blast to listening to them. So uh, I, I can't blame Devin for for being a fan of theirs as well. So that said, folks, thanks as always for listening to the show and supporting us. We will see you next time with Spider Man. Until then, stay super. Ciao. Amazing.